Welcome in to episode one of the Big Red Zone podcast. I am one of your hosts, Max. And I'm your other host, Brad. And we've got a great show for you today. That's right. We are so incredibly happy to have you with us. This is episode one, and there will be plenty more fantastic episodes to come. So stay tuned. Perhaps even some interesting guests might come on to the show, Max. Maybe. Guess you'll have to stick around for a later date. So this is episode one. So we figured we'd introduce ourselves just a little bit. We're both sophomores from Cornell, and we're both from Boston. So clearly... We are the best people to talk to you about sports. For sure. I mean, we've seen so many championships. It's basically what I expect every December and January and February. Yeah, the Pats haven't won the last two years, and we're feeling kind of lonely. We, we feel like we need another championship coming up. I have to ask, Max, is it so much for just one championship in this city? I mean, all I want is just to see the Patriots win one Super Bowl. Is that so much to ask? I don't know. It feels like forever since we've had one. Thank God the, the, the Celtics are good, or else I wouldn't know what to do with myself. So, we have a fantastic show for you today. We're going to recap some of the hottest rumors going around the NFL, as well as one of the big trades that happened just a few days ago. Then, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, which is coming up in only a few days. It's crazy. It feels like it was just yesterday that the season started. You're going to want to listen to these predictions. It might help you. You never know. Yeah, and then we'll close it out with some of Max and Brad's famous hot takes. Our takes are so hot that you might be shocked at what comes out of our mouth. Oh! But stay tuned. We're happy to have you here. And let's start the show. So, you know, we're going to get started here. We've got a massive QB... On the move just recently, Matthew Stafford has been traded to the Los Angeles Rams for two first-round picks and a third-round pick in exchange for the Rams also sending Jared Goff for Matt Stafford. So this is one of probably the biggest deals that we've had in recent history because it involves, one, two former first-round picks and also two future first-round picks, which seems like... A lot. And really, it seems like a lot to get Matt Stafford. What do you think? I mean, I do think it's definitely a lot. I mean, the Rams are definitely giving up a lot here, especially because with the Jalen Ramsey trade they made last season, I don't know that they're going to see another first-round pick for another five to six years. Yeah, the last first-round pick they made was Jared Goff in 2016. And the next first-round pick they'll be making it will be in 2024, which is Eight drafts passing since then, which is unbelievable. I don't know if we've seen a streak like that ever. I don't think we have, and it's even more concerning, though, that they're not even holding on to the first-round draft pick they had in 2016 with Jared Goff. I mean, you'd hope that if they're not going to see another draft pick, at least they did a really good job when they last had one, and it just doesn't seem like that's the case. Yeah, so as we saw these past few years, Jared Goff is really not their answer at quarterback. He had one good year, and then he didn't necessarily fall off a cliff because he wasn't that good to begin with, but he completely lost whatever magic him and McVay were able to conjure in, I believe it was 2018. Yes, if you remember, that was the year the Pats beat them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think since then, the Rams haven't really recovered. Their defensive side has, but their defense was good in the Super Bowl. 
the offense wasn't, and I, this is their chance to save that. That's very true. I mean, I gotta ask you, Mask. Do you think that the Rams are contenders now that, that they have Matt Stafford? I will put the Rams as my NFC favorite right now. Uh, it's a little bit bold because there are a lot of good teams in the NFC. You have the Packers if they bring back Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you have the Niners if they have a healthy Garoppolo and that standout defense and Nick Bosa coming back. You have the Bucks, obviously, in the Super Bowl. And a lot of young up-and-coming teams. But I think the Rams' defense is so good. And we saw it this last year. Aaron Donald is probably the best player in the NFL when healthy. Jalen Ramsey is an absolute top-tier cornerback. Uh, they have plenty of other weapons on the defensive end, which is kind of crazy to say. And they have a lot of weapons on the offensive end with Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, and Robert Woods. Cam Akers really being the breakout star this year. So I think Matt Stafford is not necessarily a game-changing quarterback anymore, but his arm strength and his mentality, his grit, will push this offense to be better. And you know what? I think that's what I love about this trade so much, is you look at the playoffs where Jared Goff and the other quarterback that they had kind of filling in for Jared Goff's broken John defense. Wolford. John the Wolford. The former Wall Street analyst turned NFL starter. You know, when you look at that situation, you're looking at an issue of durability. And I think you can't ask for a more durable quarterback than Matt Stafford. I mean, looking at him over the last couple seasons, I know this past season he had a little bit more injuries, but he has put himself into games with broken legs that he will put himself on the way to win for a team that wasn't even going to make the playoffs. Yeah, so I don't know about broken legs because that that's a little extreme, but he has played with a broken back, which is... Also kind of insane. I agree with you. Matt Stafford is an absolute machine. I'm a big fan of his. I drafted him in fantasy football this past year. Sadly, it did not work out because he was a little injured. The lines were pretty bad. Um, but I think him, it's always been a question of what if with Matt Stafford. He's been stuck on a rebuilding team since he was drafted. And he's always put up the stats. But the big what if, the big what if has been... What if we get him a good offensive coach and a great system that can maximize his talent? Well, you know, I really think that this is going to work out really well for him because I think we can both agree here for a sec that Jared Goff, even if he, even if we agree that he's a good quarterback, he's not an elite quarterback. Yes. But he's had a lot of success under McVay. So if we now get to see a quarterback who we both agree is maybe not elite, but above average, really good, competent quarterback, I'm really curious and excited to see what he can do under McVay. So do you think after this season, speaking from a right now perspective, Matt Stafford will jump back into the conversation as like a top 10 quarterback in the league? Um, I think that largely depends on the performance of the other main, like, you know, common elite quarterbacks also playing the NFL right now. If Tom Brady has another year like he had, if Patrick Mahomes continues to amaze, and, you know, we see Deshaun Watson, which we'll get to later, if he balls out somewhere else, I don't know that he might be able to do enough to be on the same level as that or in the conversation. But, you know, if we see Tom Brady have a down year, or maybe Patrick Mahomes has a not a great uh, as uh, quarterback passer rating as normally, I think it's very possible he might slip into that conversation. Yeah, and we'll we'll save that topic for a later podcast when we get into our specifics of, let's say, top 10 quarterbacks in the league. That was just sort of something I was curious about. I personally think that Matt Stafford these last two years has really been hampered 
yes, with injuries, but also just going nowhere. Like, the Lions brought in Matt Patricia to be a game changer. He changed the game in a bad way. Like uh, That's for sure. We saw Matt Stafford deny a trade to the Patriots and only the Patriots simply because Matt Patricia was there. But I think that in McVay's system, as we kept touching upon, McVay, several years ago when he led the Rams to the Super Bowl, was considered the top young coach in the league. And we saw teams like the Cincinnati Bengals hire coaches like Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. Who were supposed to be like... McVeigh like prodigies. Yeah, after McVeigh, uh, we saw Shanahan. Wait, McVeigh was really the first trendsetter in like the young coach being hired, right? For we, sure. We saw these like old heads going around, and really this past coaching window, we saw Mike McCarthy last year, and this year the Texans hired a 65 year old coach. But other than that, it's really been like 45 and under, and that was a trade. That was a trend started by McVeigh. And, you know, I got to say, I'm all for the trend, too. I mean, I know we're getting a little bit off topic here from, like, the trade. But, you know, talking about, like, young head coaches, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of head coaches going for more gutsy plays. Like, you know, going forward on fourth down. You look at the Chiefs. I know Andy Reid is definitely not a young head coach. But I saw them have, like, a fourth and one. And they not only went for it on offense, they threw it. And it worked out. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Uh, you know, I'd love to shift gears here and talk about how it looks for the Lions. If you're the Lions, how are you feeling about this trade? Are you happy with Jared Goff? What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I think personally, one, this is a win-win for both teams. So I do think the Lions did very well. Um, I know the Rams will probably be good the next few years. So those first-round picks might not have as much value. But... They're still first-round picks. Chances are you'll get at least a decent defensive start. But here's what I'm concerned about. We both just agreed that the Rams are at least have the ability to be contenders for the next couple seasons. That means that those first-round picks that the Lions are getting are probably not going to be very high. And judging by the fact that we've seen many drafts from the Patriots where we're not having very high picks, you're really getting linebackers... Um, you know, maybe a running back or a wide receiver, but not the best talent because he's just so low. So I think that's just a factor that is worth considering here. So so here's the thing. The Lions need every position. Uh, they have a running back in DeAndre Swift who has the potential to be good. But other than that, their second, their, I mean, really their best player was Kenny Galladay, who's a free agent. Marvin Jones, another wide receiver, is also a free agent. Their defense is awful. They took Jeff Okuda third last year. He has really not shown anything special. And they have holes throughout. Matt Patricia tried to emulate the Patriots' defense, and it completely flopped. So Rashtenberg. they need these first-round picks to at least start rebuilding towards something. And let's be honest, they, di- they didn't need Matt Stafford. Like, Matt Stafford wasn't going to get them anywhere. And I mean, he requested a trade. It was both sides agreed to part ways. So I think in terms of a package that they could have gotten, this was among the best for what they could have gotten. So my opinion on this trade, if I'm the Lions, is very contingent upon how my team feels about Jared Goff. Jared Goff, in my opinion, is not the future of this Lions No, absolutely not. And if they see him as the future... I don't think it's a good trade. Yes. If they see him as a placeholder of getting a quarterback, then I think it's a good trade. But we've seen this year teams that are good teams, like the Colts, the Bears, but just don't have that quarterback position. They just can't get over the hump. They can't win that playoff game. And I think it just 
demonstrates that you really need a good quarterback, and I just don't think Jared Goff is it. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't think the Lions view... I, I personally don't think the Lions view Jared Goff as a long-term solution. He has a massive deal, but, I mean, thankfully the Lions can eat that deal because they're not really trying to be competitive. They're building towards the future. They gave their new head coach, Dan Campbell, a six-year deal, which is crazy. But clearly they're not expected to win this year. And in three or four years, I think that's what their timeline is. So if I'm the Lions, I try and rebuild Jared Goff's value at least a little bit. Let him cook as much as he can cook. But I don't think you should catchphrase, let Jared cook, or else he might start uh, not playing so hot as we saw with let Russ cook. Also, what I thought you were going for was Jared Cook, the tight end on the Saints. So I thought you were just making a bad dad joke. But um, yes, Russ cooking wasn't great. It was great for the first half of the season. Then they really cooled off. What I mean is, I think they try and showcase whatever talent Jared Goff has and hope that next year teams will be QB desperate because teams are always QB desperate. And I think that if they can flip Jared Goff or... I don't know, a first-round pick? Like, even that That's would be win. fantastic. That's, That's an absolute win. So, do you think the Lions can be, let's just say, playoff contenders within the next five years? Five years, absolutely. It's kind of, it, it almost sounds absurd, because five years is such a long time frame that anything can happen. Anything can happen. But, uh, not for the next few. Like, Jerry Goff, he... Jared Goff will not help a team to the playoffs. A team can get to the playoffs despite Jared Goff. Mm, So if they build a team around him in like three years, maybe he can be their quarterback. But for the next few, this is a bottom-feeding team. It's almost like what Jacksonville did this last year, trying to get to the bottom and pick up like actual foundational players. Yeah, I'm just not optimistic about the Lions' future right now. I just need to see... Either a big splash in free agency, a really great pickup in the draft. I just need to see something because right now I'm just not seeing any sparks. And I think for me, I don't know that they can be playoff contenders in the next five years. I just think that their organization isn't always the most well run. I think we'll see what happens with their new head coach hire. He His introductory press conference certainly got me excited. But, you know, is he all talk? What's he going to be able to provide to this team? And uh, I think it'll be an interesting uh, couple years for the Lions. Absolutely. I mean, their coach looks like he can bench a truck, and that's the most, uh, the most like well-defined comment I can say about him. It's very unclear what direction this team is going, apart from down, and it's <laughs> unclear whether he is the man to get them to the next level. But it, as you said, it certainly will be an interesting few years. Yeah, and speaking about the man to get them to the next level. We got to talk about Deshaun Watson. We got to talk about Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson, there's been stories circulating around him all offseason. The Texans were awful last year. They traded this year. Uh, they traded. And last. And uh, last year they Actually, okay. no, they, 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 they did get to the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, they did. And won a playoff game against the Bills. But uh, they traded their star wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, for a shell of David Johnson and a pick. Uh, which must not have sat well with uh, Deshaun Watson. And then this year, they were awful. Uh, one of, I believe, the worst statistical defense in the league, and that was after, for the first half of the season, the Cowboys were on pace to give up the most points all time. It just looked like the team quit to me. I mean, the, the, the players, at some point in the season, some flip switched, 
And they just kind of quit on the team. And Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, they just weren't having it. So I'm not surprised Deshaun Watson wants out. Yeah, I mean, you saw it in the last game of the season. J.J. Watt, there was a mic snippet of J.J. Watt apologizing to Deshaun Watson for costing them a year of for costing Deshaun a year of his prime. And if that doesn't say no future with the organization, I don't know what will. So we just saw Matt Stafford get traded for two first-round picks. What is and this? a former first. A- and, and a former first. And a third-round pick. So what does this say about what the Texans could potentially get for Deshaun Watson if they even decide they are going to make the trade? Because right now... They're in this state of delusion where they don't even want to trade him, but he clearly doesn't want to be there. Yeah, so I don't think the Texans and Deshaun have a future no matter what they say. They promised Deshaun Watson the keys to their management process this this offseason. They promised him input on the general manager and on the head coach. And for some odd reason, they did not give either to him. And that really doesn't sit well with me because I don't think management organizations like the leaders have an obligation to ask their star quarterback star players for insights in the process i don't think they have an obligation to but what really doesn't sit right with me is you don't offer a man the opportunity to do that and then not do it i mean that's ridiculous i mean that things like that is why deshaun watson wants out of the Texans. Yeah, and just really quickly to talk about the people they did hire without Deshaun Watson's input, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the rest of the league is going young. The Chargers hired a young Rams defensive prodigy. Uh, the Eagles hired uh, Nick Sirianni, who's also, I believe, under 45. Really, there's this trend of going younger and younger in the league. And the Texans hired a 65-year-old wide receivers coach from the Ravens, who's never been a head coach in the league, which is fine, but he has consistently led some of the worst passing offenses in the NFL. Why they would make this hire is completely preposterous to me. And I also have to add, they hired Nick Casario as their GM. Now look, I'm a Pats fan. I've seen Nick Casario for a couple years now. I like Nick Casario. But when you look at former Pats, either assistants or former Pats coaches going off, they're not having success. And I can totally understand Deshaun Watson saying, what are you doing? These haven't worked in the past. This is why I wanted to be involved and stop this. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. So going back to the original question you asked me, which is uh, what should the Texans try to get for Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in the league. Matt Stafford, you could make the case for like top 15 with, with leaning towards the lower end of that spectrum. Definitely not top 10 right now. So if I'm the Texans, I believe the current rumors have them asking for two firsts, two seconds, and two defensive starters, which is a big haul. And personally, I really don't think they should settle for anything less than that. I mean, they certainly should not settle for anything less than Matt Stafford was traded for. Oh, if they absolutely do, not. That's going to be a gross mismanagement of your asset right there. Um, I think that we could see four first-round picks traded in return. That's incredibly bold. But honestly, if I'm a team, let's say the Bears, let's say the Dolphins, who had an excellent defense last year, let's say the, the football team, uh, who started Taylor Heineke, 
during the playoffs, even though he is the GOAT. If I'm a team with a fantastic defense and a quarterback problem, there's absolutely nothing I would not give up to get Deshaun Watson, apart from like your defensive cornerstones. Which is why, and we've seen this year, how teams out that QB, that that position, they haven't been able to do well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see it out of the realm of possibilities that we see three or four first-round picks get traded for him. I mean, it's definitely a huge haul, and I understand it could be conceived as like a bold prediction, but at the same time, we're also talking about a guy who is going to make your team a contender for at least the next 10 years. Yeah, I mean, you saw it, maybe not this past year, actually even this past year, Deshaun Watson is the only reason this team did not go 0-16. Deshaun, we talked about Jared Goff, a team can win in spite of Jared Goff. Deshaun Watson, he will drag your team to win. He has that go-to mentality you saw that at Clemson when he was one of the best players in the nation. Of course. And we've seen it in his NFL career. He will lay it all out on the line for a team. And he has that clutch mentality. We saw it last year against the Bills and that crazy, crazy play that won them the game with him scrambling out of danger. But Deshaun Watson is a game changer. He is a top five quarterback right now. And gearing towards the future... There's no one apart from Mahomes and probably Josh Allen who I would have ahead of Deshaun Watson. I don't know that I'd put Josh Allen ahead of Deshaun Watson, but that's certainly a conversation for another episode. I think the bottom line here is Deshaun Watson is a franchise quarterback if there ever was one. He will be the face of your franchise. He will make you contenders if you give him any good pieces around him and you manage it well. So, I think we should really start discussing here, where is he going to go? Yeah. So, in your opinion, we'll get into some dark horses later. I'll throw some teams out at you. What is the number one most likely destination for Deshaun Watson? I think the 49ers have to be the number one destination, and here's why. Their defense is really good. They've got the pieces at wide receiver. They are in a Super Bowl window. And if they don't achieve that Super Bowl win in this window, they're going to start losing players, and they're going to not be able to get back to that grand stage. I think that if I'm the 49ers, there's nothing I'm not offering because I am 90% confident that Deshaun Watson can win the 49ers Super Bowl within three years of the team that's currently there. So that's a bold take, that that guarantee, but I honestly couldn't agree with you more. There's a lot of football takes that we disagree on, but if I'm the 49ers, I give whatever I can give to the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson. Jimmy Garoppolo got them to a Super Bowl, but it wasn't him that got them to a Super Bowl. It was Kyle Shanahan's system and Robert Sala's defense. But that's what I'm saying. Jimmy Garoppolo got them to a Super Bowl. Take out Jimmy Garoppolo, put in Deshaun Watson, they're going to be amazing. Exactly. They will be amazing. So it's weird that I haven't heard the Niners thrown out there as much as some other teams for Deshaun Watson. And and, and I also just want to add really quickly, the Texans are looking for defensive players. Now, you can't give away too many of your key key pieces. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. You're not parting with those guys. You're not parting with those guys. But I bet you have some minor defensive pieces that are still attractive that you can give away and still be good because Deshaun Watson's going to pick up your offense. Yeah, I mean, 
Look at even like their last first round pick, for example, like Javon Kinlaw. He's a young starter, but take away him and maybe one other start. Put in Deshaun Watson. Are you kidding me? Bring Nick Bosa back healthy. Bring George Kittle back healthy. That's a Super Bowl bound team. And and I also just got to add what I would be so excited to see about that pairing would be Kyle Shanahan oh, absolutely. and Deshaun Watson. I mean, I happen to think that Kyle Shanahan is one of the better, one of the best coaches in the league right Especially now. Especially offense. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd go so far as to like, you know, the number one, but like certainly top five in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. So Deshaun Watson has never really had that great coach behind him. Just imagine what he could do when you put Kyle Shanahan's system behind him. Yeah, and sort of the two main quarterbacks that I associate with Kyle Shanahan are Jared, well, not Jared Goff, sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo and Matt Ryan. And they're almost like the same type of quarterback. In his prime, Matt Ryan was better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but they're a pocket passer. Like, they're not going to wow you too much. They're like the NFL prototypical style quarterback. Put in Deshaun Watson, who has incredible scrambling ability and fantastic arm strength. I would love to see what Kyle Shanahan can do with a quarterback like that because he's really never had a quarterback like that. Of course, yeah. So if we we kind of set the 49ers aside for a second, where do you see the most likely Deshaun Watson destination being? So I personally agree with the 49ers. I think they're the most likely destination. But I'm going to throw out a few dark horse teams that have also been linked to Deshaun Watson, and I want you to tell me your thoughts. I'm ready for this. All right. So number... And the audience will see sort of a pattern here. They're these teams with quarterback holes with a really bright future. Yeah, that's, of course. That's sort of the pattern here. So first of all, we've touched on this a little bit, and probably one of the teams that's been linked with him most, the Miami Dolphins. What do you think? I think that could be super intriguing. I'm not as high on Deshaun Watson the Dolphins as I am with some other teams, although I think Brian Flores is an excellent coach, defensively at least. I think that Deshaun Watson would really take them to that next level. I mean, you know, you wouldn't have to have Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in. The closer. You wouldn't have to have a closer coming in. Um, If Deshaun Watson went to the Miami Dolphins, which I don't see happening, I think they'd get to the playoffs, potentially get to an AFC Championship game. I don't think they're winning it. Yeah, so I think one of the reasons that the Dolphins have been so linked with Deshaun Watson is the presence of Tua Tagovailoa. So... Tua, he was incredibly hyped while in college, then got injured, fell to the fifth overall pick, went to the Dolphins, and we really haven't seen anything special from him. He was all right. He didn't turn the ball over. Whatever. It was just really concerning that when it came to that game-winning drive time in the game, who were they going to? Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I personally wanted Fitzpatrick to start. I think they would have made the playoffs with him. But... Tua is that enticing part of the package that if you toss in Tua, you theoretically have a quarterback to build around after Deshaun Watson. You can make the argument that Tua might not actually be that quarterback if he's not that good. But that's the part of the package that is enticing to the Texans. And the Dolphins all have a great defense. So that's where it fits. And I do think with Deshaun Watson, they instantly skyrocket to Super Bowl contenders. I'm very high on the Dolphins defense and Brian Flores. Hey, I like him. I just think they're a little bit too young right now. I, I see them getting to an AFC Championship game. If, if this were to happen next season, I just don't know. I, I feel like that has to be their ceiling. Yeah. Who's your next team? So my next team is a similar 
team, really, with a great defense. Uh, and a quarterback problem that's been around since Deshaun Watson's draft class, and that is the Chicago Bears with the MVP, MVP. Mitch Trubisky. What do you think? Well, I got to say, MVP, I think that was a bold choice in uh, phrasing there because I really get not valuable player vibes. Yep, absolutely. But, you know, that is a that is a destination that I am really excited about because I think the Bears are immediately Super Bowl contenders. I mean, Matt Nagy, I think, is a good coach. When you look at what the Bears have done with Mitch Trubisky, I mean, the, the man is not a good quarterback. They've still been at least contending and in the playoffs. That's ridiculous. And when you look at their defense, it's a really solid defense, and they have the key players on offense. So I think Deshaun Watson went there. I could see them certainly making an NFC Championship game, and I think making it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so the the tricky thing with the Bears is really, do they have enough to give up? And I personally don't know that they do, but if they could somehow find the salary cap room to get Deshaun Watson on board, find the defensive players that they don't need and send them to the Texans. I think Deshaun Watson, that might not be his top destination just because like Houston and Chicago is just very different. Uh, and I'm not sure he'd love to play there. But I, I, mean, think, I think he'd love to play anywhere that's not the Texans. That's team. very true. But I think that him on the Bears would be extremely interesting. You know, I think there's a reason that these are dark horse teams. Yes. I mean, realistically, I don't think the Dolphins or the Bears is where I see Deshaun Watson ending up. But I got to say, Deshaun Watson to the Bears, that'd be huge. It would be. So, definitely change the landscape of the NFC. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, honestly, it would probably be the Rams and the Bears at the, at the top of my list. Hmm. So, going to a very similar team uh, to the Chicago Bears... The WFT, the Washington football team, I know mm. they have a fantastic incumbent in Taylor Heineke, everyone's Cinderella story, but... It's going to be hard for Deshaun Watson to I, beat out Taylor yeah, Heineke. That, that'll, be a, that'll be a real start, uh, starting battle. But really similar to the Bears, actually. Took a quarterback in last year's draft. Did not pan out, I guess two seasons ago, no, it technically. Did not, it did not, did not pan, pan out. out. Dwayne Haskins has probably spent more time at strip clubs than, like, actually practicing on the football field. Uh, unfortunately, that's most likely true. Yeah. But as, as opposed to the Bears, and I mean, not to disrespect Mitch Trubisky, because he is a lot better than Dwayne Haskins, at least for now, but they did not stick with their draftee. They cut Dwayne Haskins, leaving a quarterback hole, and Alex Smith stepped in. The team won his games, but... Alex Smith did nothing in those games. He passed for probably about 160 yards on average. So they have a fantastic defense, especially that D-line is fantastic. Cause Tom Brady fits. Chase Young is probably one of the future top five players in the NFL. So I think putting Deshaun Watson on this team just completely makes sense to me. I completely agree. And I think, and this is a bit of um, a, bold, a, bold assumption, a bold prediction here, I think this is a team that could actually that, that could actually happen. I mean, first of all, I don't think the Texans are going to trade Deshaun Watson in the AFC if they don't have to. Yep. I think they'd want to get him out. Um, and here's why I think the WFT, the Washington football team, I think that they can make this trade. They have four defensive ends who are really good. Yeah. 
in an ideal world, you wouldn't want to trade any of them for this. But realistically, if you're getting a Deshaun Watson, somebody who could be the face of your franchise for the next 10 to 15 years, I think you have to be okay with giving up one of those like star defensive ends. Maybe not Chase Young, but like Montez Sweat or somebody yeah. like that. And then you start throwing in first-round picks. Do I think that is where he's going to land? Maybe not. I mean, yeah, we made our pick for the 49ers. But, you know, I don't think it's completely unrealistic. And I think that, you know, not immediately. I mean, I think if Sean Watson goes to the 49ers, going to go to the Super Bowl, you know, we were talking about the Dolphins, the Bears. I think it would take a year or two. Yeah. But Washington football team, I think it would be an excellent spot for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and I mean, if also, it's like... The Washington football team's culture has really changed in the last mm. two years. Like, you introduce feel-good stories like Ron Rivera and Alex Smith. That's almost a given. But Ron Rivera is a great coach. And, I mean, Deshaun Watson is different than Cam Newton, than how Cam Newton plays. He's a little less reliant on the rushing, and he's a much better passer of the football. But oh, for sure. Ron Rivera has coached a similar dual-threat quarterback that I think he could do a lot to maximize Deshaun Watson's talents. I completely agree. Um, I really like this destination if I'm yeah. Deshaun Watson because I know I've got a really competent coach who's going to get me there eventually. You know, I don't. I think it's too, too hard to say whether he'd make it to a Super Bowl or even win it because I just don't. I need to they're see. young. They're, ri- they're, 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 very, a, they're very young. As opposed young. to the Bears and the Dolphins on defense, the Washington football team is really mostly made up on defense of people they've drafted over the last few years. They're younger. But, you know, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm looking at this defense and I'm saying, this defense gives me the opportunity to get comfortable with the system. I know that I'll be in, I'll be in all these games. This yes. defense will keep me in these games, and that will give me time to work with Ron Rivera. That will give me time to understand the system. And if you give them two, three years, I think you could be looking at Super Bowl contending team right there. Absolutely. So, two final teams, both in the AFC East. One is a little bit of a homer pick. It's probably a little less likely. So I'm throwing out the Patriots and the Jets. What? Give me your quick thoughts on both of them. All right, quick thoughts. Patriots. As a Pats fan, I would be thrilled to see Deshaun Watson on our team. I don't see it happening. I think that um, I don't think Bill Belichick is gonna feel comfortable giving up what the Texans are gonna demand for it, and also. I don't think the Texans want to deal him to the Pats. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to deal anybody yeah, like that to the not. Pats. Um, and I mean, we're pretty old, too, so we don't have like a yeah. lot of young players I that mean, we can give up. If you put Deshaun Watson on the Pats, I definitely think they'd make the playoffs, but I don't even know if they'd make the AFC Championship yeah. game. I mean, you look at the Bills, you look at the Chiefs. I mean, those are... The team is not around them. Like, you don't have yeah. a young team that's ready to go to the playoffs and just needs that quarterback. That's my thoughts on the Pats. Looking at the Jets, it becomes a little bit more intriguing. And I have kind of two sides to this. The first is, if you can get Deshaun Watson without somehow trading your second-round pick, which I know is extremely unlikely, but if you can offer up future first-round picks... Oh, the, the first-round pick. Yeah, the first-round pick okay. they have this year at number two. If the Jets drafted Devonta Smith and also had Deshaun Watson, that would be spicy. That, that would be... <laughs> Really interesting. Or, or the or the O-lineman from Oregon, Panay Sewell, mm. who's supposed to be one of the best linemen 
ever. Absolutely. But in a, in, in all reality, the Jets are not going to be able to trade um, are not going to be able to trade for Sean Watson without giving up that number two pick. Yeah. And I just don't think there's enough talent around him on that team to make them legitimate contenders. Again, maybe if you give him time, I do like Robert Sala a lot. I think yeah. he's a good coach. I think he's a player's coach. Yes. So I think with time, I'm not going to say it can't happen. But right now, they would not be playoff contenders. Not even Super Bowl yeah. contenders, obviously. Um, and the other thing I'll add to that is as soon as the Jets start mentioning Sam Darnold, I think the Texans are hanging up the phone. <laughs> I, I got to imagine it, it's going a conversation like, oh, yeah, we've got a Sam D-, Hangs up the phone. Okay. I mean, I just don't know that Sam Darnold is super attractive to anybody right now. Yeah, uh, besides the girl who gave him mono. I'm sure he was quite attractive <laughs> to her. But, <laughs> but I agree with that. But the, the, the weird thing is sort of... I've been seeing the Jets a lot as a possible destination. I mean, it kind of makes sense why people would link the Jets to him. They're a major market, so I assume, like, players are assumed to want to play there. But these aren't necessarily the same old Jets. Yes, Robert Sala is great. I love him. He seems like a great guy. Players want to play for him. He, I'm sure he will have them headed in the right direction. Any, any team that gets rid of Adam Gase automatically gets better. But Oh, for sure. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. I I personally think there are really only a few teams equipped to get Deshaun Watson, and I just don't think they're one of them. Hmm. So, uh, this Sunday seems to be a big game on. Yeah, this is switching switching tracks quite a bit. But let's talk about the Super Bowl. So, this Sunday, Chiefs versus Bucks. And a truly incredible matchup filled with plenty of storylines. So give me your top few, and then we'll get into predictions. All right, so I think if I'm looking at the Super Bowl matchup here, I think the storylines are the world is incessant on this debate. Was it Brady? Was it Belichick? And I think a Super Bowl win, a Super Bowl loss, changes that debate dramatically. If Brady wins, I think it's going to be really, really hard for Belichick to prove to the NFL that he had a at least equal percentage with Brady. Well, I mean, the the hard thing about that is I think Brady's already proven that he was a large part. Like, dr- taking the Bucks here, and I mean, yes, let, let's face the truth. Tom Brady is not necessarily the sole reason for the Bucks' success. They have a fantastic team, a great defense, and some really good weapons on offense. But even the people who said the Bucks were going to be Super Bowl contenders, like... I I would think they're surprised at how well this season has actually turned out for the Bucks. I would certainly agree. I think where I was going with that is that if Brady loses the Super Bowl and Belichick somehow, which isn't going to happen, but if he somehow were to win the Super Bowl within the next three years, I think the flip. I, I think the script flips. I, I really do. Um, so you know we've got the Brady v Belichick. I also want to talk about Brady v. Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes has not been able to win that big game over Brady in the playoffs. You know, we've seen Mahomes beat Brady in the regular season, but not in the playoffs. Yeah. So I think, can he? is he finally at that level that he can conquer Brady, who's the GOAT? That's a big storyline. And the other big storyline i got to say here is, are the Chiefs, ready to take that next step as a dynasty or are they going to fall into this trap that they've been in where they get a little bored and they fall behind 
Yeah, so I mean, the pattern we've seen with the Chiefs over the regular season has been they keep winning these close one-score games, and they keep winning. But it did look at times as if they were staying close just for the heck of it. With all the weapons they have, it seems like they can beat any team by 20 or 30. And we've sort of gone out of that in the playoffs. I think that the Browns win, and especially the team rallying behind backup Chad Henney, almost woke them up, and they really shellacked the Bills, even though they were down 9 nothing really quickly in the first quarter. I think personally that the Chiefs are dominant, and I think they're going into the Super Bowl with a we're-going-to-win-it mentality, and they're going to do whatever it takes. They're not going to keep this. From their perspective, they're not going to keep this close just for the heck of it. They want to go out there and dominate the Buccaneers. Whether that happens is another story. So I'd love to start here with the Bucks, And one of the things that I think is fascinating is coming into this season, anybody would have told you, oh, it's the offense that's going to be the shining yeah, star yep. of this team. But the last couple weeks, it's been the defense. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's one of the really great things with this team. We even saw it last year that their defense was beginning to come together. And everyone was saying, if Jameis Winston doesn't throw 30 picks, this team would be fantastic. And that was in large part because of the defense. But how it's stepped up this year has been incredible. Their pass rush is fantastic with stars like Vita Vea, JPP, and Shaq Barrett on the D-line. But it's really the back seven that have really impressed me. First of all, the linebackers, the linebacking duo of Devin White and Levante Devin David. Devin White is fantastic, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, and he got snubbed for the Pro Bowl, so you best believe he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. But that duo, along with their young cornerbacks and safeties of Antoine Winfield, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, and Sean Carlton Murphy Davis. Bunting had that big, big interception, big pick six. Yeah, uh, they're still young. They're not the best in the league yet, but they're feisty. They're playing like they have something to prove. And personally, I think the Bucks' defense is the only way they win this game along with the sprinkling of tom brady magic of course and make no mistake the offense has been incredible too yeah i'm vintage brady in the playoffs has been nothing short of what they could have wanted i'm just simply suggesting that in these last couple playoff games without this defense playing as well as it has maybe we need more brady magic than brady had to give yeah and i think the the key here in this game is two specific matchups uh, between the Bucks defense and the Chiefs offense. One is how the hell do the Bucks stop Tyreek Hill? Tyreek, the last game they played was in the middle of the season. Tyreek Hill put up 203 yards in the first quarter. He slowed down a bit since there, but I think that Tyreek Hill is just a glitch. Like he is one of the most game-changing players in the NFL, and how they stop him is the first key matchup that I want to talk about. Yeah, of course. And I think a lot of this falls on Todd Bowles. I mean, like, yeah. he didn't succeed with the New York Jets, but who does? Um, he loves rushing the quarterback. Yeah. He loves it. But when you rush the quarterback, you leave Tyreek Hill in one-on-one -on -one coverage, and he will beat you almost every time in that situation. So let me ask you, does Todd Bowles rush less this game, or does he trust his... Did he trust his cornerbacks? Because the last time he trusted his cornerbacks, 
Tyreek Hill scored 203 yards in the first quarter. So this actually gets into the other key match of Bucks defense versus Chiefs offense that I want to talk about. I personally think Todd Bowles has the luxury of this game of trusting his front four, his rushers, because two of the key members of the Chiefs O-line are back, are uh, banged up. Mm. And the Chiefs aren't really used to playing with this makeshift O-line that's been switching around quite a bit. So I think that if the Bucks D-line wins that matchup, that matchup against the Chiefs banged up O-line, then Todd Bowles can afford to double Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey a little bit more. Now, if the Chiefs step up, if their backup O-linemen play like their starters, then it's going to be very hard for mm. them to get to Mahomes or stop Tyreek Hill. But I think, I believe in Todd Bowles. He fell to the Jets, but I do think he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And he adjusted to Tyreek Hill. Yes, Tyreek Hill got 203 yards in the first, he only got 269 for the game. So mm. the rest of the game was only 66 yards. I got to say, if I'm looking at this from a Bucks defensive side, you can't stop Tyreek Hill. No. You just have to stop the huge chunk Tyreek Hill plays. You can't let him get a 60-yard bomb touchdown. You got to keep him in front of you. Give him his catches. It doesn't matter if he has 100 catches. Don't let him burn you for a touchdown for 60 yards because that's what stings. So that's sort of the tricky thing, right? You think that that's how the Chiefs win. But if you look at their last game against the Bills, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill came up with 10 catches each, which I think are the first duo to do that maybe ever in a playoff game. Mm. So a lot of those catches were in front of them. But those two players are so good. Travis Kelsey can just run into space and the ball will find him. And Tyreek Hill can make one move and he's gone. So... Those two players, those incredible game changers is what fuels the Chiefs offense. And I personally don't think you can afford to keep them in front of you all the time because the Chiefs will just march right down the field. Andy Reid will find his space in front of the uh, Bucks cornerbacks. Of course, and that makes a lot of sense. I think the scary thing about the Chiefs is, is that there's not just one way they can win. Yeah. I mean, I think if you let them get behind you, you're obviously going to lose. And I think if you keep them in front of you, you're obviously going to lose. In my opinion, I just happen to think that your best chance at succeeding is keeping them in front of you. Like, let them okay. get their catches. Hopefully, they're not first downs. Maybe they rack up a ton of yards. But if you can hold them to field goals and you can score touchdowns, you've got the game right there. Yeah, and I mean, this is really one of the most intriguing Super Bowls in quite a long time. Because the Chiefs, if you just look at this team, like, they look unstoppable. Patrick Mahomes is probably the most talented quarterback we've had in the league in maybe ever. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are game changers, but look at all the weapons around them, right? Like, they have their rookie, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's been a bit disappointing in the regular season, but he still brings another dimension to this offense. And then... Well, I mean, I, I think any running back could do a decent job in yeah. this offense because you've got Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey... Who do you cover? Yeah, and I mean, you also have speed around them. You got McCole Hardman. Who's got, who's a beast? I yeah, mean, who's key, a beast? If they ever have to move on from Tyree Kill, which I don't see happening, maybe not quite as good, but he's certainly no he's certainly no uh, poor player. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much speed 
And I think this is why, like, the Bucks are a pretty good matchup, actually, because the Bucks cornerbacks are young. So, I mean, they theoretically should still have that speed as well. Uh, it's just crazy looking at this Chiefs offense, how dominant they should be. So let's actually get into our predictions for the game. So we see this Chiefs offense. We see how good it is. We see all the talent on the Bucks side of the ball, right? Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, around him. Really, three receivers who could be number ones, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, um, and, of course, Antonio Brown. Two good running backs, even though Leonard Fournette is a little bit over the hill. I'll say that. And then this great defense that we talked about. Who wins this game? Well, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I think I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs, and here's why. Boring. You know what? You know what? It may be boring, but I think you can't argue with success. And the Chiefs have had nothing but success. Yes. In every single playoff game Patrick Mahomes has played in, he's put up 30-plus points. That is ridiculous. You look at Tom Brady, that's not true for him. Now, obviously, he's played a lot more playoff games <laughs> than Patrick Mahomes. But in his first couple playoff games, he was not putting up 30-plus points every game. Patrick Mahomes is. I think this game is going to be very close because I just love that Bucks defense so much. So what's the so score much. prediction? I'm going to go 38-30. I think Brady's going to get the ball in the last two minutes, and I think he's going to have a chance to come and tie it up. But, you know, I don't think the Chiefs' defense is all that great, but I think situationally they've made they've come up when they needed to. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't even talked about them at all. They, they play well when the game is on the line, yeah. and they don't cost the Chiefs a game. That's, That's the they thing. Do. They're not a good defense. But they also don't cost the Chiefs the yeah. game, as you said. So I think 38-30, Brady has the ball. Everybody thinks he's going to tie it up, go into overtime. But I think the Chiefs' defense puts an end to that, and the Chiefs win this game 38-30. What do you think? Yeah, so as I said, boring. And that's because I'm rooting for the—well, I'm not rooting. I'm picking the underdog, huh. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Huh. Huh. <laughs> um. In my official prediction I made for a club I'm part of, Cornell Sports Analytics, I picked the Bucks to win 34-31. And let me tell you why. I really do think it comes down to those key matchups that we talked about and really to the Bucks D-line against the Chiefs' banged-up O-line. I think the Bucks' defensive rushers are so good in JPP and uh, Shaq Barrett that they find a way to make Mahomes uncomfortable. And we really haven't seen Mahomes uncomfortable that much. But if you just make him even a little bit uncomfortable, I think you turn the tide of this game. I gotta disagree with you here for a sec. We haven't seen Mahomes wilt under pressure. I mean, we've I've seen we've seen him throw a seventy yard pass off his left leg under pressure. I think like you know if they can sack him, obviously that puts an end to yes. the play. Unlike other quarterbacks, simply getting in his face isn't going to stop him. Right. So you need to actually like get get to him, put him on the ground. And I think like that's really what I meant by making him uncomfortable. Like if you get a few sacks, he doesn't usually take sacks. Like that's why Mahomes is so good. He's so elusive. But if you can get there, and I think they will get there. I think the Bucks defense will win them this game. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I don't think that they will stifle the Chiefs entirely. But I think they get a few key turnovers, probably a few fumbles, as we'll hear about in our hot take segment coming right up. But 
I think that with these key few turnovers, and the Bucks defense, first of all, is fantastic at forcing turnovers, not just interceptions. You saw how hard they were hitting Aaron Jones last game against the Packers. They were just always going for that punch out. They were always going for the punch out, and they're great at it. They're playing with a spark. Todd Bowles has them playing fantastic, and I think that Mahomes obviously keeps the game close. I think that Mahomes ties the game up with less than two minutes to go. I think it's 31-31, and I think... He just gives Brady the ball, and just like the Brady of old, I mean, I think he'll get them into field goal range, and I think Ryan Suckup will close close out the Super Bowl, and the Bucks will take the win. You know, I think a lot of people have gotten burned in the last couple of years by uh, betting against Tom Brady. Yeah. So, I don't see your situation as unrealistic. I mean, if you look at what it's going to take, though. It's going to take some Tom Brady magic, and I think he's got it. I think he's got that magic in him. I think... Unless the Chiefs, or unless the Bucks can do what the, the Patriots did to the Chiefs in that AFC Championship game, the one time he was really stopped in the playoffs, they had, an, they had a half where Patrick Mahomes was on the ground. Yes. And the Chiefs came right back. So you don't have that much room to play with. But if you can get even a quarter where Patrick Mahomes just isn't, isn't playing to the point we know he can— I don't see it unrealistic, but I think I got to go with the Chiefs here. Yeah, and I mean, we'll find out in just a few days, which is the very exciting part. Uh, obviously, bittersweet that football season's over, but it's going to be a great game, in my opinion. And let let that segue us into our last segment, our famous segment. You know, before we get into that famous segment, I just want to give a quick word to our sponsor here. Yeah, so we are sponsored by Next Step Prep Tutoring Company. Uh, it's a company by college students for incoming college students. Uh, they're built to give incoming college students the resources they need to apply to college, whether that be SAT tutoring, whether that be essay editing, whether that be guidance through the whole process. They're built to help incoming college students. And it's built by people who have already been there and been there recently. And the prices are cheaper than really any of the competition. So we are sponsored by Next Step Prep. That's like a quarterback getting uh, getting lessons from Tom Brady himself. <laughs> Absolutely. That's precisely how I would describe it. So as I was so rudely interrupted, our last segment is Max and Brad's hot takes. So Brad, let's do two each. I'll give you the first crack. What is your hot take around this, about the Super Bowl? We already gave our realistic predictions. Give me something spicy. My spicy, my first spicy take, my first hot take, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey don't get 100 yards combined. Whoa. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen, but I think it could. And here's why. The Chiefs, the, the Bucks defense is really good, and they're catching fire at just the right time. And you saw what they did to Devonta Adams. They, they they neutralized him. I mean, he got his catches, but he didn't win them the game. No. So, you know, we might not see them combine for less than 100 yards together, but I think it's certainly possible that Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are not a factor that is winning the Chiefs this game. Well, I'll say, I'll put it this way. If that happens, I don't think the Chiefs are winning this game, So, which is why it's a hot take. So my hot take actually has to do with uh, their opposition, the, the Bucks defense, as I've been 
continuing to talk about. And we touched on it. Their outstanding second-year linebacker, Devin White. He's a monster. He's a speed demon. And he hits hard as hell. And I think that he... I don't think he'll win Super Bowl MVP, but I think because I think if the Bucks win, it goes to Tom Brady out of sheer respect. But I think Devin White wins them this game by having several sacks on Mahomes and forcing a fumble. Because, I, I mean, that's what he does best. He hits hard, he hits big, and he hits big players in big moments and knocks the ball loose. And I think he is the factor that wins the Bucks this game. That is a fascinating take right there. I mean, I you know, I think that's a, a little bit more realistic than mine. Maybe. I certainly think that could happen. I think my second hot take is... This is the highest scoring Super Bowl game we've ever seen. Whoa. I know my other take was, you know, putting the Bucks defense on a pedestal. But I could also see it going the complete opposite way. Where Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, they both come to play and we just see the points rack up. Yeah, and I mean, just for reference, the highest scoring Super Bowl of all time has had 75 combined points when the then San Diego Chargers beat the San Francisco 49ers 49-26. to So it's a high total, but I certainly don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I do think if we see the highest scoring game, it's going to be way more even than that. I, 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 don't see a, I don't see a huge, huge blowout like that yeah. coming this weekend. So my, my last hot take and our last take for the show is that Similar to yours, but this is the most watched Super Bowl of all time. And let me tell you why. So, one, we touched on it. There's infinite storylines that you can make out of this game. It's Brady versus Mahomes. Uh, it's Brady's legacy versus Belichick's legacy. It's the Chiefs' future dynasty. Bucks defense versus Chiefs' offense. It goes on and on. And every single football fan in the world will be tuned in. But also... It's got two of the most recognizable names in the world. Like Tom Brady. If someone doesn't know who Tom Brady is, I don't know where they live. Probably under a rock. But people would want to tune in for that. And also just look at it this way. Like, we're living in a pandemic. There's, like, you want to tune to something new. Mm. And this Super Bowl brings so many stories and so many new flair. And just the sheer excitement, like, Two high-powered offenses squaring off. I think that more people tune in now to watch this Super Bowl. This feel-good story amongst a year of just, like, depressing things that it's the most-watched Super Bowl of all time. That would be quite a coup, wouldn't it? It would be. And that's our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are incredibly happy to be recording this right now and we cannot wait to bring you more fantastic content and definitely come check us out we're gonna have some other awesome shows for you we've got some awesome guests you know maybe get some views of some non-patriots fans maybe maybe that'll change some things even though their teams are probably bad but But, you know for now we love doing this and uh we hope you like it too this has been the big red zone podcast and thank you for listening